One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to a Say It Loud special for the new Voice Awards. Listen over reasons not to try this time Welcome to Becoming a TV Presenter. Presenters get asked all the time, how do I become a TV presenter? But actually the real question that I really wanna get to today is how do you keep your foot in the door? How do we stay there? You got the opportunity, how do you move through the industry? Because we see presenters come and go a lot. So how do you stay there? And today we will be joined by four fantastic presenters. One of them being Will Njovu, presenter of The Masked Singer Unmasked for ITV2 and presenter on Capital Extra. Sabrina Grant, presenter of Super Shoppers, Channel 4, BBC Morning, Sunday Morning Live, and also Aisha Tull, who's also a reporter for Channel 4 News, and the incredible JD Dyer, who is a presenter for The Heat Check, Sky Sports, The Play On Podcast, and has also worked with Universal and FIFA. So I'm buzzed to have these presenters today. And a massive thank you to ITN for continuing to support us for this award. So I really wanna get into it with you guys on how you become a presenter, but I wanna start with you, Aisha, because really what a time to be a journalist and a reporter, but also what a time to be a black woman who was a reporter in the aftermath of Meghan and Harry's claims that the British UK media is racist. Uh, your job is to be impartial. Um, and before we get into that, actually, I actually want to ask you, because you started at Newsround. So yeah. you went from your audience being 12 to 16 year olds to now being 16 to 34s at Channel 4 News. How did you make that transition from Newsround to Channel 4 News? And also, as a news reporter, how easy is it to find those opportunities? Yeah, so girl, it's been a busy couple of days, <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> it's been crazy. Um, ever since I saw this story rumbling um, last week, and obviously I've been following the story, I was saying to my bosses, I really want to cover this. Let me do it. Let me do it. Um, but just on how I moved over from Newsround to Channel 4. So I've always been... Um, I would always say I'm a journalist first and a presenter second. So 
Um, I started in journalism, I'm not going to say how long ago because I'm way too old, um, but <laughs> I started at Five Live and had loads of different experiences in loads of different places. Um, and so when I went to Newsround, I was actually a journalist first and then got this amazing opportunity at Newsround and stayed there for five years. Some of the best years of my career. I've loved it. Um, and then um, I realised that I wanted to move somewhere else. I realised that Newsround isn't going to be my forever home. Um, because I am in my 30s and I thought nah, you know what it's time to move on and time for a new challenge as well because I did some amazing things there and so I um, actually had a little bit of a bridging gap I went over to BBC World for a little bit um, mm -hmm. to what I call grown-up news and so I went over <laughs> to grown-up news for a little bit at BBC World um, and then um, was kind of looking for different opportunities saw one at Channel 4 News um, actually really funny I went for um, a spot at Channel 4 News and actually didn't get it at first. And then um, my boss, Emily, who I love to pieces, um, remembered me in the interview and was like, you were brilliant. And so when there was another spot that came up, I got mm -hmm. it and now I'm here. And that's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Was, was the first presenter that you loved on Newsround, Lisa Mazimba, because he was like the guy. <laughs> he, was, he was the guy. Um, I have to say, uh, you know, I ha I love Ellie Crisell. She was my mm -hmm. newsroom presenter when I was growing up. But I do love Lizzo. And when I was at um, the Brit Awards red carpet, and I remember for the first time I stood across from him and he was doing BBC Entertainment and I was doing news rounds and he was like, oh, new kid on the block, <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> and um, from that moment on, I knew we'd be friends. So he he is awesome. And all of the news, right, news round alumni are just fantastic people and it's just amazing to think that I went through that whole process mm -hmm. I just can't believe it really <laughs> and actually it's a, I guess it's a proper skill as well like to be able to know how to be appealing to children and also to adults because I imagine that's a difficult thing to master it is and the I way we tell the news oh absolutely I think one of the things that I come away with and even in the stories that I've done I've not just done the royals but last week I was doing um, a story in Scotland about Nicola Sturgeon and Alex Salmon. The week before that was doing COVID. But it's all about communicating and communicating well and communicating clearly. I always think mm -hmm. in the back of my mind, my um, best friend, Mari, who runs an antique sh store in Crystal Palace, and she won't have switched on the news and been looking at Twitter for all the little updates, like the geeky news person that I am. So I'm like, mm -hmm. how would she how would she come at it? Like, how, what would she want me to tell her? And usually she right. WhatsApps me going, what's this story about? And then I tell her, and that actually helps me <laughs> when I'm scripting or when I'm talking about things. And that helps me out a lot. Wow, fantastic. Well, thank you, Aisha. I'm gonna move on to Will. When I say, when I think about Will, I just wanna be like, who's there behind the mask? <laughs> 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 so Will, you started off in news like Aisha. Um, you were um, a guest booker for Channel 5 News. You worked on the red carpet for Getty. You also hosted Channel 5 News' Facebook Live. Then you went on to be a co-host for Jeremy Vine and then a presenter for Capital Extra. And then now you're, you're, you're the presenter of The Amar Singer. I mean, you met Mel B, for goodness sake. I mean, you've got the best job in the world. I loved meeting Mel B. Can I just say, I love the Spice Girls, so that was a huge moment for me. But no, you're correct. My career started off at ITN, actually. Um, my first ever job in TV was working with Channel 5 News as a freelance. Um, the job is called an assistant news editor. But yes, I was a guest booker, uh, mainly working as a guest booker on Fraud Lies at Amar's 6.30 programme. 
So booking guests, finding stories, pitching stories. I worked across the news desk sometimes on planning. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. I really loved that role because it just shaped me um, as a person. It helped me realise what I like, what I don't like, but it also helped me become um, a good journalist as well. So I, while I was at Channel 5, I was freelancing. There, even though I was a freelancer, I was there like nearly every single day. Um, and I remember the boss at the time, um, Kate Fitzsimons, who's the editor now, was also there, and Rachel Paul. And I remember speaking to them saying, hey, I really want to do uh, like some Facebook Lives because I noticed that someone else started doing them. I thought, oh, I'd love to get involved too if I could like, interview celebrities or, you know, like when they come in. So I started booking celebrities to come on the evening news program. And then, you know, I then always asked to interview them as well. So that helped me build up my showreel. Um, and while I was at ITN, I then um, connected with ITN Productions because they have um, an entertainment team there, actually. And my, my passion, I am entertainment through and through. It's in my blood. So I've always known that I've wanted to do entertainment. So um, I um, connected with the ITM Productions entertainment team and there was an opening for a freelance presenter to cover the FYI Daily ITV2 bulletins. Um, so I started doing that, presenting the one minute news on ITV2 on the weekends. So that's again, scripting, editing, presenting. Um, and I also got sent out on the red carpet, whether it was ITN sending me or whether it was Getty sending me or whether it's Five News would send me sometimes for online. And I just loved that. That, that entertainment space really and then I started doing a little bit of freelance work for BBC Africa um, as a relief presenter so whenever and they have a children's show called What's New so whenever Ben the main presenter wasn't there I would stand in for him and I'd co-host and that was a really good experience as well um, and then I um, started screen testing for uh, to cover Storm Huntley on the Jeremy Vine show which was a great opportunity I loved doing that again that that experience taught me so much you know it was live tv live on channel five I was learning every single time I did it. I think I, I did so many shows as a cover presenter, but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and again, yeah, like now I'm on Capital Extra and I think it did get to a stage where I was like, right, I really want to get into this whole entertainment space. How do I maneuver? And my, my agent, Johnny, helps me do that. And, and here we are. And the Masked Singer Unmasked was such a fabulous experience. Words can't describe, you know, the glitz and the glamour of that show. Mm -hmm. I was overwhelmed and, you know, it was, it's just such a fabulous production. And I mean, you've done so much in, you know, in the past few years. I imagine the transitions moving from Channel 5 News to Jeremy Vine to FY Daily hasn't, it wasn't always smooth. Am I correct? How was... No, it wasn't always smooth. And I'm happy you asked that, Jackie. That's a very good question. Like the way I tell my story, it's like, right, so I went from this, 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 this. What I haven't spoken about is the hard bits in between of getting rejections and people saying, oh, your voice isn't ready or oh, you look awkward on camera or, you know, all of these different things. Like, mm -hmm. um, again, I didn't really have a showreel for a while as well. Like, I was like to myself, well, I'm pretty sure I can do this because I know I can do it, but I had nothing to really show. So it was just like building my showreel, building the experience. You know, I also did work of like online channels that no one really knows about just to build that experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like FYI Daily, the, the ITV2 bulletin. I wanted to do that for a very long time. But, but at the times I wanted to do it, I wasn't ready uh, at the beginning. So I had to kind of go away. When I first met the boss of that show, I was like, oh, I want to do it. And they were like, oh, you haven't really got enough experience. I had to go away, you know, do my work, you know, do all the red carpet stuff, carry on doing the five news Facebook lives, build that up until they could see that, all right, he's ready now, now he can do it. So yeah, there was a lot of, you know, like FYI Daily, you have to edit it. So I had to learn um, how to edit on Avid. Like, Avid, I, that oh is God. not my strength. But I, had to <laughs> I don't do know it. how you do Avid, you know, I, know. I can't be doing oh, Yeah, of course, so yeah, I know that's Avid, guys, honestly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I learned how to do that. So yeah, I'm sure, like, every, every single person in 
um, in this chat has got a story. Like, I'm sure we're all going to tell our stories like, right, we did this, 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 this. But in between, there are always those bits of struggle. Um, but yeah, I'm always down to share that because, boy, <laughs> you know, it didn't happen. It didn't, no, it didn't happen overnight. I'll tell you that for right. free. So, yeah. Right. Thank you, Will. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I can't wait to get into more about what you've accomplished. Sabrina, I'm going to move on to you. Because you are everywhere. I turn on the TV, there you are. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so you are honestly, you're killing it. I mean, queen of daytime TV right now. What I would say is, is exactly what, you know, Will and Aisha were saying. You, hmm. as part of your journey, there's so much work that goes in behind the scenes until yeah. you actually make it, you know, you start booking some of those dream roles that you'd hope for. So there's a lot of seed planting Fortunately for mm. me, all those all the seeds just shot up at the same time. I was like, wow, yeah. okay. But that's what it is, having, you know, making lots of small opportunities for yourself, working, you know, behind the scenes, like, you know, Will was saying for channels that you may not have heard of, but constantly all the time, you know, building mm. up your skill set. Even in lockdown, I was like, I was able to do a lot of stuff. I was able to practice things like auto cue, thank goodness, because I booked my first ever live show. I downloaded an app on my phone, you know, and I was just wow. like, let me just practice doing auto cue because a lot of stuff went online like us now. And I was asked to host a few little online things and they were sending me these big scripts. And I was like, oh, how can I remember this and make this sound natural? And so I started practicing. But um, yeah, I've been in the industry quite a long time now. My journey was slightly different. I started uh, behind the scenes. I started as a production runner. I studied media. I went to performing arts school, the Brit School. Ooh, there are any Brit School students on. Um, and I think I've known, luckily enough, and always known what I've wanted to do for such a long time. So I think every tiny piece of my puzzle, as as random as it might seem, mm-hmm. um, they, they, they all join together and they all make sense to me. And actually, Aisha, I actually screen tested for um, News Round the same year that you did. Oh, so did it's they? actually amazing. Yeah. And um, when I found out you got it, because I'm not a journalist and, um, you know, I was so happy for you when you got it, when I found out about your background. Um, And that's another thing. Sometimes a job is just not right for you, but you shouldn't be disheartened, like, Mm. um, because, you know, they're all, as I said, small pieces to the puzzle that will lead you to where you have to get to. And look at us now, sat here today, both still going. Because what year was Newsround for you? Newsround for me was 2013. 2013. You know, you're either you're trained as a journalist, or you know, or the fact that you just want to be a presenter and that it's not your the fallback for you. It's not you know maybe you were in a band or you appeared on a reality show and you know nothing wrong with that, but it does make it harder. I find, especially in my journey coming up, I'm like, oh, but I want that job. I'm just going for that job. But there, uh-huh. there's this like it puts a sort of almost barrier in the way. But persistence I say all the time preparation right now for me it's like you know they say luck being lucky was it Oprah said it you know is is being lucky is preparation meets opportunity Opportunity, so I am very busy right now but I'm ready (laughs) yeah you put in the graft yes yeah 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 
Well, thank you, Sabrina. But thank also, you. Sabrina, I wanted to ask you because, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you obviously worked on Super Shoppers with Anna Richardson. And is it true yes. that she chose you to be her co-host? Yeah. So as I was, um, I, I, I read a lot of stories of people who started behind the scenes. And um, mm -hmm. I had also studied media studies at the school, for uh, my A-levels or whatever it is, can't remember now. And, um, and I thought, you know, working behind the scenes was a great way to kind of get a, a big understanding of the media industry. So I worked as a production mm. runner, as a researcher, then I went into wardrobe styling. So I got to work very closely with presenters. Such great opportunity. And honestly, that sort of training, you just you just need to be in there and learn. And I'm such a practical learner as well. So I was working behind the scenes, doing wardrobe styling, working with lots of presenters, and I got to work with Anna. And um, and she, you know, as well as doing that job, I think for a while I just stayed quiet. I just wanted to learn what TV was about. But then when I felt ready, when it got to a stage where I put my show reel together, I'd made loads of contacts to be able to say, hi, I'm sending my show reel to your agent. Do you mind... Um, letting them know, or do you mind if I CC you in and stuff like that? Um, I was doing wardrobe styling on the side and then I started doing screen tests, screen testing for roles and stuff like that and started in children's, children's TV. So, you know, when I felt confident enough that I'd earned my place sort of working behind the scenes in TV, I let, I then let people know, well, actually, you know, my end goal is to, is to be there. And so Anna knew I was doing presenting on the side and we got on really well. And I think when you're co-hosting with someone, they're always like, the chemistry, the chemistry. Um, it's really nice if you can have like a natural, genuine rapport with people. I mean, we're all very charismatic people anyway. I think that's one of the qualities you definitely need to be a presenter. And um, she, yeah, so, um, there was Andy Osho that used to present the show with her, comedian, actress, writer, she does loads of things. She had um, taken a step back from the show. So we're looking for a new co-host. Um, amazing that it, I took the role of, of a black woman someone there before me to you know open the doors to give more opportunities and Anna was like you have to screen test Sabrina um I think she's she's wow. great she's a presenter we get on really well and that's another key thing that I say all the time you just never know at what part in your life like mm. who you're going to meet so you know be true to who you are but just try to keep your integrity be kind and, and professional whilst you're making your your steps up the ladder <laughs> Wow. It's not every day you get Anna Richardson to give you the cosign, do you? I know. <laughs> when she texts me as well, she dropped me a text all casual, like, um, hey, hey, Sab, I'm, I'm doing a primetime Channel 4 show. Don't maybe be interested, but I thought, <laughs> I thought of you. Just a, just a casual primetime thing. No big deal. <laughs> but even that, you know, I still had to do my your screen tests and stuff like that but it is great you know make friendships mm. make genuine connections along the way that's quite important incredible incredible <laughs> so we're going to move on to JD um JD I'm so excited to speak to you because um you are the second youngest Sky Sports news reporter ever appointed and you were at the age of 25 in 2018 sorry to I guess I've just been And you were the first ever black sports reporter on Soccer AM. Um, and you're working for the biggest sports brand, Sky Sports, NBA. You're a sports presenter all over the world. You're a big deal, JD. Um, I try. I, but it's, <laughs> it's, 
it's just interesting listening to so many people's stories because mm-hmm. I, I heard so many sort of common denominators. I actually started my journey at ITN as well, which is so wow. Yeah, so, Watching, yeah. Um, so I actually entered a competition when I was 18 uh, between ITN and Media Trust for breaking into news. So I was one of the first year finalists. Um, and that was really, I feel like it was probably my first sort of breakthrough and understanding of what sort of media and journalism was about. And I remember feeling so, um, it, was, it was the experience feeling so daunting. Um, I remember trying to put on this front, like, oh, I know everything, I'm fine, like, I'm all good. But really inside I was like crumbling. And I actually did a story on something that was so close to me, which was, if you remember in them times, uh, the London riots were happening. So I actually did it, I'm from North London. So I actually did it on something that was pretty much happening outside of my door. Um, and that transition that opportunity really I think sparked something in my brain that was the importance of obviously telling the stories that I see and that I think affect our community more than anything else and I didn't win the competition that's the competitive side of me but the experience I would say had a knock-on effect to say look I really want to study this I want to go to university I want to dive in and I want to do this for the rest of my life um, now little did I know I actually wrote a letter to myself when I was 14 saying that I actually wanted to be a sports presenter and I, I didn't even find it until like last year. Um, but I feel like it was just all stumbling blocks for things and affirmations that were in my brains from, from really early. And so when I studied, and this is, this is where I was saying about the common denominators, when I studied the university, I thought to myself, look, I've been a finalist at ITN, I've done work experience at The Guardian, The Times, I've got it all, like, I should come out of university and someone should want to hire me. It doesn't quite work out like that. And that's what I want everyone to kind of work out on the court. It really doesn't work out like that. I probably applied for every organization. I pushed every contact that I had had and built. Uh, everyone was saying pretty much the same thing. Uh, no experience, uh, not enough strong enough showreel, can't even bring you in for this sort of stage. And I will be honest, at that stage, uh, it was a little bit disheartening. And I probably like was upset with myself for maybe about a week. I said to myself, like, I feel like I've got this degree. I'm in my final year. I've got all of these things in front of me. Why can't I, why isn't anybody hiring me? And uh, I went and spoke to my lecturer about it. And this is why I say to people, always ask questions and always talk to people because I went and spoke to my lecturer about it. And she was like, well, how badly do you want this? And I said, I'll do anything, like absolutely anything, just to get some on-screen experience. I said, I know what I want to do. I want to be a television reporter and a television presenter. And I understand that no one's going to put me on screen. Even one of the feedbacks I actually got, and I don't tell people this, but I'll tell you like this now, was I have always had long hair. I used to have braids before. Someone was like, well, no one's going to put you on TV with long hair. Um, I laugh at that person now. And, and someone else said to me, because I remember my beard was just connecting then. <laughs> Shout out to the cast oil. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> I said to me, look, you're not going to get on screen with a beard either. So it's just not going to work. You probably have to change so much of your look. And I made a promise to myself then that I would never change who I was as a person. And so when I said that to my lecturer, my lecturer was like, okay, well, again, how bad did you want it? And I said, I'll do anything. And she was like, look, I know one organisation that's looking for a young reporter, but it's nowhere near here. And I was thinking to myself, oh, maybe it's in Manchester or maybe it's in Cardiff, maybe it's in Scotland. It was actually in Arizona um, in, the, in the US. So I actually had to move halfway wow. across but just for an opportunity for a screen test. And I say to mum, I pick up my mum whenever I can because she came with me for the weekend. Imagine that you tell your mum, oh, yeah, let's go to Arizona for the weekend. Um, so from a Thursday to a Sunday, I had the screen test on the Thursday. They let me know on the Friday that they were interested. And my mum stayed with me for that a couple of days to help me find an apartment. And then she went home. Um, and I think about it now, that's quite crazy to do, but I think about how supportive my family has been sort of in this journey. But the experience that I built up in America to able to make mistakes, able to be myself, able to learn my craft, um, but more than anything else. 
and I, I really want people to understand this. And I know I've spoken to Will before and listening to Sabrina and Ash, I can imagine it's probably exactly the same thing. When I first got into the industry, it wasn't, okay, I clock in at eight, I'm here till four or five and then I leave. I used to do double days. And when I say double days, I'm talking, I might get there at seven if I start at eight. So I could pick something up from a senior at Anchor. And then when my day finishes at five, I'm still staying in the edit room to understand how that works. And I'm still staying extra to ask the extra reporters, can I come with you to the Suns game that evening? Or can I come with you to anything? Just so I can understand and learn so much more. I then got into the habit of bringing home every single tape, every single live I did, ripping it apart so I could get better. That wasn't for anybody else. That was just for myself. Mm. And what I realized was every day I was getting better, every day I was improving. And it was reflecting in my confidence in front of the camera. It was reflecting in my confidence in front of a newsroom. And people stopped forgetting that that kid's 21, 22 years old and started looking at someone that was actually dedicated to what they're doing. That sort of habit and those nuances have carried me everywhere. I came back here to get a master's. I was actually supposed to go back to the States. I actually wasn't ever supposed to stay here. I came back here to get a master's from Cardiff Uni so that I could go on to national and international stuff in America. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, I actually... Um, managed to get some relationships. So here the common denominator again, I worked at BBC Wales, which is so interesting. And this is what I say to people about being yourself all the time, because I went into that organisation after completing my master's and whatever else, fully confident in who I was, fully confident in knowing what I wanted to do and more trying to find a tribe and a connection of people that were going to help me get into that position. There wasn't no uh, sort of, oh, I'm going to detour here, I'm going to detour here. I'm very... Uh, stickler and someone saying this is what I want to do this is what I want to cover this is who I am as a person and that inner confidence I feel like has attracted the right people towards me and attracted the right energy and there's been some people in the industry who um, I'm not going to name names but like have tried to turn around and tell me a thousand times no it's not going to work you're not going to get this far you're not going to do this but there have been a handful of people that have been very supportive and if they can't help you then they're willing to push you onto somebody else that can so I went from BBC Wells to BBC Manchester, or up, up north where BBC Sport is based. I spent a few months there. And um, though that experience didn't work out how I wanted it to. But again, it was about understanding the space you're in, using the contacts you're in, and understanding the platform that you're at. So I was able to use those relationships to build my showroom, get a little bit of airtime whenever I could, uh, build relationships with other organisations. And when I left Manchester, BBC, when I left Manchester and BBC Sport in April, I would say I was headhunted and asked to come into Sky by June. And I had a conversation with the boss from Sky beforehand, um, obviously due to contracts and whatever else, there was never an opportunity to sit down and actually discuss it. But when I went into the room at Sky because of the positive relationships and being consistent with your energy and who you are as a person, mm-hmm. he already knew who I was and he already had a contract in front of me ready to go. Incredible. So when you turn around and say these things happen, it's um, it's a consistency and everyone was saying it. It's a journey, it genuinely is. And those that journey has been built, not by impressing someone for the first time, that journey is built consistently by building upon yourself and building on the relationships you have. And now I'm at Sky, I just haven't sat still. I just wanted to work up, I wanted to do NBA. Um, that's then turned into a FIFA contract now and the podcast shameless plug and then um now I'm gonna go off and do some coverage for the Euros coming up the summer so it's uh it's all working out how it's supposed to wow. it's all thanks to God and affirmations man wow well we love to see it JD what a fantastic story but again it all the key message here is really putting in the graft exactly. nothing nothing is overnight 
So I kind of want to open the floor to you, um, you presenters on stage, um, because obviously you're presenters, but now being an influencer, there's almost, you can almost be these days an influencer and a presenter because technically you're presenting and you know you can go on Love Island to come out become a star be hosting shows etc etc it seems like followers mean currency they mean demand now to you all how important are followers how important is a brand uh, can I just say by the way like because yes. you mentioned Love Island as you know, I'm in this entertainment world. I have a lot of friends who went on Love Island who have come out. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I just want to say, and I think they now understand that um, just because you're an influencer, it doesn't mean you know how to present. It doesn't mean you know, it doesn't mean you are a good broadcaster. It doesn't mean you are a good communicator. And mm -hmm. I have heard from several Love, Island who, Love Islanders who have tried to go for TV jobs and haven't got it so like, I don't want anyone watching to feel like oh I need to go on Love Island to be the next TV presenter or whatever I'm telling you like that's not what it means I think there's being an influencer and having followers and you know posting pictures and then there's you know working to become a really good broadcaster I think those are two separate things that's my opinion I, just... I also think oh no go on JD uh, ladies first Mom would tell um, me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I also think that no, I, I agree with you, Will. I think that I saw when I was at Newsround, you have a lot of influencers who would come in to do the kind of shiny floor productions. And those are some long days. Those are, you know, seven in the morning, sometimes till seven at night. You are feigning enthusiasm for something you don't even care about. And you and because you're a children's telly presenter, you have to be so enthusiastic and so happy. And when you're an influencer and you're doing stuff that's your own stuff, your own things, beauty, or makeup or whatever that's your own things, you're in your comfort zone. If mm. you're doing something else, you're not in your comfort zone. And so you can see that sometimes there was a bit of a struggle. Um, and it's really similar to what JD was saying, which is the hard work. It's the, I still to this day will look at reports that have gone out and uh, I did a live yesterday and I was like, mm, that bit could have been better. That line could have been better. I could have said that in a different way. I should have done this, I should have done that. I watch every single thing that goes out, even though at the beginning I hated that. Um, but my director at Newsround said, you've got to look and you've got to see how you come across on screen because you'll never learn. Um, mm -hmm. And these are tips that influencers definitely can learn. Having a brand and having loads of followers is brilliant, but you've also got to do the extra mm -hmm. work as well that it takes to be a presenter and a mm -hmm. broadcaster and learn the trade that you're in. Mm -hmm. All I was going to add was because... Um, the two panelists I think I really touched on it really well but all I would all I would add is I think there's a difference between having followers and having a following and I think people need to really understand the difference between that like I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily I would never turn around and say anyone that follows me is is a follower I feel like they genuinely have I have a following of people that are into who, either who I am what I do or who I'm having conversations with and I think that is a, a complete difference and I, I I'm like Will, I'm, I'm quite in a difficult boat now because I'm actually, beforehand, I didn't have any friends that were in Love Island. Now, obviously, the more you're in television, you find yourself with a lot more friends. I actually have a, one of the shows that I, I <laughs> present with, Ovi's on my show, like, is a weekly co-host, like, and then um, one of my good friends now is Josh Denzel. And you do that in the industry because, obviously, naturally, these guys want to be in television. Um, but what I've said to both of them, and in fairness, Josh had a career in terms of in television beforehand, but what I've definitely said to Ovi is, 
um, you got to take this stuff seriously. Like this isn't just a, because you're hot now and you're, everyone's onto you and everyone likes who you are as a person. That means that you can just do this. Like you've actually got to study this. You've actually got to work on this. You've actually got to look back on yourself and ask yourself, how can I improve? Because we're a team and you're a reflection of yourself. So really and truly what's important here is about developing you. If you're serious mm -hmm. about this, because there are a lot of people that want to be in your position and you've been given an opportunity, which is fantastic. You deserve it, but you've got to take it seriously. And that's the only thing I would turn around and say, don't try and look for followers, look for an actual following. And there's a big difference. I would just add as well. Really good point. Mm -hmm. So I just add Go as ahead, well, Sabrina. Jackie, that's okay. Um, um, definitely agree with all of you guys, um, but just wanted to add something about, because I've been using my social media in a, in a different way this, this year. I think it is worth thinking because we are all freelancers, most of us self-employed, I think you can, what I've certainly started doing is using my Instagram in a way, because in the end, it's like, a, it's your CV, kind of, if you want to use it in that yeah, way. So yeah. you can, if you are a presenter and you want to think about a brand, so to speak, it's just about the way in which you use your, your social media. Make sure that it's, you know, people that are genuine, genuinely connecting with what you do and what your interests are. And that also, you know, it's not just friends. When I'm posting things, it's not for my friends to see it, you know, it's for people to get a deeper understanding of, you know, the parts of myself that I, I want to share with you. And I think you can think about branding in that sense, um, your brand as a business, as a, as a presenter. But certainly for me, I don't, um, I, I'd much rather have a natural organic following rather than just having followers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that, Sabrina. But do you know what? Like, I might go against what I kind of said before, but like, I do yeah. think branding... Branding is actually, as a presenter, it's quite important. But then again, it depends on what genre you're in. For of example, course. my whole thing is entertainment. So like when I was in, um, I'd say maybe in uni or even just a few years ago before I started this, I was looking at all my favourite entertainers on Instagram. Oh, I just love, what, what are they up to? Oh, I just love mm. the shirts they're wearing. I just love, so arguably Instagram is a good way to showcase your personality and who you are and what you're about. So yeah. I guess that's where it works for you. And, you know, like my agent always tells me that, you know, like whenever I've gone in for like a screen test or whatever, you know, these commissioners, they look at your Instagram because, and they're looking because they're trying to get an idea of what your personality is like, really. Yeah. They might not be looking, uh, you know, for the followers or the ratio or whatever, but they're just trying to see who are you, you know, like what's your personality like? And just like, yeah, who are you really? So Instagram, exactly. I guess, is good for branding and it's quite important, essentially, yeah. yeah. Exactly that, that. And I think we come up across... Sorry. No, no, no. I'm actually coming to you, so do go thing. ahead. Mm -hmm. Oh, brilliant. Sorry, I might have a slight delay or something. Technology. Um, the hard thing is, I guess, when uh, with, like, viewing figures and ratings, I know I've lost out on things because a certain person does have a, a huge following, therefore they're going to bring a, a big audience to a show was on air which can sometimes feel a bit frustrating but I, I go back to what you know JD was saying actually just always stay true to who you are the right people are watching you who need to watch and yeah I think you just just remember that and yeah use, use, use it use it in a in a way that works for you jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mm. So Sabrina, I was going to say, because how important is a niche? Because you are interested and passionate about sustainability. So has that passion helped you get certain TV jobs? would you say like for example the great yeah. sewing bee and things like that yeah I think I think yeah I think just showing elements of your personality and what you're into if you're not a specialist presenter or journalist if you haven't trained in something it's always worth having um well yeah speaking and sharing what what you're interested in that's the only way people can get to know you Instagram is one of those ways. It's actually quite a good way. It's actually when you get into a meeting, you don't have to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so multi-talented. I do this, that, and the other. But Instagram is actually a really easy way to show what your interests are. And um, I think especially people, when you watch shows, they want to know like, why you? Why? What's your link to this story? Why are you presenting it? So um, I've just chosen things that I, and I think the easiest things to present are things that you are genuinely passionate about. So yeah, that's what I've just, which I didn't really know in the early stages. I think I was like, I just want to be a presenter. And although I think we are quite, um, what's the word, versatile as, as humans, I think sometimes in TV and online, they want you to just have your little boxes. Yeah. Um, so I think I just, I've just started to really hone in on, on things that I like and enjoy. And, and hopefully there'll be a way to, to do more of that. And I've got a show coming out this year which encompasses all of me and all of my interests, which I'm really excited about on BBC Two later on. Amazing. And <laughs> making it sound I'm, really I'm, like, do, do, do. I was going to say, tell us, tell us. Yeah, it's, called <laughs> it's called Saved and Remade. It's coming on um, the beginning of April and it'll be on BBC Two at half six every single night. <laughs> For a month. Oh, that is I'm busy. Prime yeah. time. Yeah. Book and book and busy. That was filmed last year in lockdown. So I'll be sat at home eating takeaways watching it. <laughs> but yeah, that show's but all I, about sustainability. Gone Will, what do you say? I wanted to I, I wanted to um um talk about the branding bit very quickly with um actually Aisha and JD. Because mm. like obviously, like, you know. Sabrina, you know, you're on daytime TV, um, I'm in entertainment, but um, Aisha and JD, you guys are in like, not news, but well, obviously like Aisha, you're in news and, you know, JD are in sports. Like, do you guys feel like social media is that important? Because I remember when I was working behind the scenes in the news, I just didn't get the vibe that a lot, some of the news correspondents or presenters really were that fast 
because I guess your job is to tell the news stories, not focus on being a big personality, if that makes sense. Mm. So I like that's uh, that's just something I, I was wondering. I was curious. You go first, actually. Yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, throw me under the bus. <laughs> um, as as I sit in this newsroom here, um, it's funny because I don't like. If you look on my Instagram, I've got like two followers, and one of them's my mum. Like I'm really not that bothered when it comes to Insta um, because I kind of I and it sounds bad, and I and I'm I'm listening to Sabrina picking up all those tips. Like mm, actually, maybe I should do that because my Insta has always been kind of for me and my family and my friends. Um, and I've never kind of made it outward facing. Um, but Twitter is more business-like for me. So I have slightly more followers on there. I've got my mum and my dad. Um, so that's <laughs> really, um, and that has that has a bit more. But I don't think it's not in the same way personality-wise for me, because for me, it's about getting information out there. And if I have mm. a few followers that see that, then fine. But for me, it's not so much about that. And I don't want to make mm. it about that because a lot of the time you don't want to make the stories about you. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to make um, COVID about me and my personality and my life and everything like that. Um, I bring the personality in the way that I present stories, but not necessarily um, like on social media like that. So um, it is a a tricky one as well, because also as a news journalist, you have to be impartial. So I can't put up um, big parts of my life in that way and share these big opinions just to get followers because I wouldn't have a job and I quite like my job. I think you've got it good, Aisha. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite different. I think I started off as a, as a wanting to be a journalist, like wanting to be a sports presenter and a sports um, reporter. But I feel like I would say the last 18 months or so, I feel like my here we go, me using the words, um, my agent would be happy. My brand has changed. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm more exerting myself. I feel like maybe it's come out with a lot more confidence in terms of just me wanting mm. to put a lot more of me into my sort of broadcasts. And and I noticed, I actually noticed my following change when I started putting a lot more of my personality into um, my broadcasts and whatever else. And I actually noticed my opportunities change. So I feel when I'm presenting, um, if I'm presenting a sports show, I feel like obviously it's best to be impartial and all the rest of it and, and leave a bit of you in there, which is cool. I might drop a hip hop reference. I might make a joke or two or whatever else. But uh, like for example, with my podcast now, which has come because I've been able to show who I am as a person, it's a completely different role. So I'm able to be a lot more free. I'm able to be a lot more myself. And I feel like it's about being versatile in this sort of modern market now. I think it's about understanding where... I can be a journalist, I can be a straight traditional sort of down the line, give you a news line. That's my bread and butter. That's what I went to school and studied. And then I can also be a presenter that does and hosts his own sh- shows and all the rest of it. So I feel like it's about being versatile. It's about being diff- loads of different versions of yourself. Speaking of impartiality, I want to go to Aisha actually and come back to you, JD. Um, obviously, your job is to be impartial. Now, When you report on things like, for example, like Black Lives Matter, or even with everything that's happened with Piers Morgan, with Meghan Markle calling out the press, what can you say? And how do you, how do you, how did you, because, because obviously these are things that directly affect you. So how, how do you, how do you tell and tell, give this information out without being, I guess, taking it personal? Yeah, can, you tweet, can you tweet? Can you tweet the way you? Do you know what I mean? Like, what can you? 
how do you you are you are operating like you are operating in strict guidelines with Ofcom and stuff like that so you do have to bear that in mind however I can't switch Mm. this off I can't switch um, the color of my skin off I can't when um, I'll give you an example with Black Lives Matter so when we had the George Floyd video which came in um, to the newsroom here um, I was one of the first people that um, saw it and you'll know um, a lot of people know as journalists that we get information in and we get videos in that um, before broadcasts that are horrific we show like a little bit of it and blur it mm-hmm. but we see the whole thing unfiltered um, and I remember sitting in this newsroom here and seeing bits of the video and I think it was about a minute in I had to leave and go and cry in the bathroom because it was a lot I was like that could be my brother my cousin wow. my uncle um, so I do take it personally um, and so when I'm doing reports though I am making sure that I am stating the facts and I'm as impartial as I can be so with the protests I went out on the first protest um, that weekend and I what I saw were families um, loads of different diverse people um, and I reflected that in my reporting there was a tiny scuffle at the end um, with horses um, and I think it was on Sky News um, and I reflected that because I was like there was a tiny scuffle with police that's what happened but what I mostly saw was peaceful protesters and that's what I saw and I played it down the line mm-hmm. um, and I looked at other news reports from different broadcasters I won't say who but they made the horse um, um, kind of scuffle and everything a big massive deal and I was like I didn't see it like right. that the majority of the day wasn't like that and I think for me be, being impartial and being in this place is making sure that I am reflecting exactly what happens because looking at news reports in the past they haven't been looking at news reports in the past it would have been saying these were rioters these were you know thugs or something like that and I'm coming at it from a position of a black working class girl from Perivale Mm -hmm. which is near Ealing for anyone that knows but they probably don't yes but that's the position (laughs) that I'm coming at it from and I want to make sure that I am reflecting it right um do I feel like I reflected it correctly I think upon reflection I feel like some of the things I did I was actually quite front street with it uh I actually had a I had a live show it was around the time when live sport was cancelled the George Floyd incident happened and I had a live show that was obviously I present an NBA show weekly and it was we were transforming all of the shows weekly onto Sky Sports News which is obviously the largest platform and how can I say this if I get myself in trouble I was basically instructed, I'm not going to say, I don't know who was actually instructed, but I was instructed by someone quite senior not to touch on the issue because the company had not made a statement as of yet. And I remember calling my mum and saying to my mum, my mum doesn't live, she lives in the Caribbean. I remember calling my mum and being like, mum, I think I'm about to do something that could really get me in trouble, but I have to do it because... You raised me as a black boy to understand where I'm from and who I am as a person. And I'm not going to sit here and, and ignore an issue when I see a whole bunch of community, because bear in mind, the NBA community was very on front street in terms of uh, justice for Breonna Taylor, justice for George Floyd and uh, justice for Trayvon Martin beforehand and all the rest of it. And I just said to myself, there's times when you're a broadcaster where I don't need to go on the screen and absolutely bash and turn around and talk about all the things that has happened to my community but I'm not gonna ignore the atrocities that does happen as well. So I made a, I made a stance probably about two minutes before air that I was gonna to touch on it. And I had the whole live show for an hour 
um, talking about those issues. And every guest that I brought on, I made sure we spoke about those issues. And I actually came off set, I'm not gonna lie to you, I thought I was gonna be fired. Um, the company actually did a complete and utter U-turn. I wasn't say U-turn, U-turn's the wrong term, but the company did a, a complete and utter U-turn in terms of what I thought they were going to do, which is they actually supported me. And obviously you can see now with this coverage on Sky and all the rest of it, they're very much in favor of Black Lives Matter. They're very much trying their best to make the company diverse, give new targets and all the rest of it. But I remember I said to you earlier about um, the riots and how they were covered when I was back, when I was entering a competition, when I was 18, I wasn't ever gonna allow myself. I had to ask myself that 18 year old boy that had the freedom to turn around and write whatever he felt like. I wasn't gonna allow myself now because I worked for this corporation to change who I was as a person and the things that I had seen. I'd also lived in America and I, I don't know if my mom's ever known this and I don't even know she's on this on this call, but I've seen firsthand police brutality. I've had a police officer, I lived in the States. I've had a police officer grab his gun upon seeing me walking down the street. There is no be bigger fear. Trayvon Martin was the first person that appealed to me as a person and turned around and said to myself, that could have been me. That could have been, Louis Floyd could have been my, my brother or my uncle. So as far as I'm concerned, as Aisha said, I'm black first mm. and I'm everything else second. So I was never gonna turn around and ignore the things that were happening in my community, especially when it was affecting the sport that I was covering too. And also we have to, we're living in these communities. We're going home to these communities and so you can't just switch off and say I'm not going to cover this at all and I think even with COVID and vaccine hesitancy for example loads mm -hmm. of people have been talking about black and ethnic minority people being hesitant and how big of a problem it is that people you know and how silly people are being why wouldn't you want a COVID vaccine and I said no hold on a minute there's an issue here there are deep-seated legitimate concerns that people of colour have and we need to reflect that and we need to take care in telling this story. Mm. And I made sure I did that. And even from a personal standpoint, I had my own dad who was vaccine hesitant and I had to have these conversations uh, behind the scenes and be like, look, this is what scientists are doing and, and this is the issue. And I know you have these deep seated, um, deep historical rooted issues with this, but this, you know, but this is a good thing. And I think, you can't switch off your, your skin color and you shouldn't have to. And any employer shouldn't make you either. Mm. What, I wouldn't want to be in a space that does that to me. Wow. What I would say though is just very quickly, mm. it, this summer really showcased to me how qualified and how uh, brilliant we can broadcast even when trauma is in front of us. Mm. Because I watch so many broadcasters who I know it directly affects. Um, and I would put myself in that still have to remain and do your job in a professional manner and not go on screen and act like you're just whining and, and screaming about a system. Even though inside, that's what you are, you're still conducting yourself at the highest level and still mm -hmm. conducting it with a level of emotion which is connecting with the audience and resonating with people that are watching, but you're still broadcasting at the highest level of professionalism. And that is the hardest thing to do. And, and that's why I will give you credit, actually, because I did watch a few of your broadcasts. Fantastic girl, by the way. Oh, no, bless <laughs> you. But, that's, but facts are power. And facts. it mm. facts are power. And when you are just speaking in a calm way and you're able to get your point across and do everything in that way, no one can deny you. No mm. one. Well, clearly you're both a fantastic example of why representation is so important in newsrooms. So important. 
So we've got some questions. I could talk to you guys forever. I hate the time is going. So we have some questions that I'm just going to quickly... So we've got a question from Rafi Tyndale, who said, I was just wondering, what are the best things to do while in university to set myself up, get myself ahead of the crowd for a career in TV presenting, specifically sports presenting? So, JD, this, I think this has your name all over it. Um, first of all, I just want to big up Rafi because I actually know who Rafi is. Um, there's a there's a lot of people that DM me and whatever else, and I actually had a conversation with Rafi right at the beginning of this pandemic. And my first advice to Rafi is continue doing the thing you're doing because you're focused, you know what you want to do, and I mean this in the most undemeaning way. You remind me a lot of myself at, at your age, which I hope you take as a compliment because when I was talking to you, I heard passion more than anything else. So I think what you have to be and what you will see with every single one of these panelists, we are passionate about what we do. There's not a day I don't wake up and not feel grateful for the fact of where God has positioned me and the things that I'm doing and covering. And there's not a day I don't go to bed and, and not thank him every day for being like, you know what? Again, I might whine, I might complain, I might have had an 18, 19 hour day, but in the, the day I'm doing what I love. And working on that, working on that passion and manifesting that into something that's gonna get you paid is, is the best feeling on earth. So keep working and work out, work out what your niche is. What, work out what can I do in this market that's gonna separate myself. Don't try and jump in with the rest of everybody else because that's what you'll be, like everybody else. Look at, the, look at the actual market, look at the actual crowd, study it and actually work out where do I fit in? Where will I feel most comfortable? And also where can I actually thrive to be the best? Thank you, JD. We've got a question from Charlie Jean. This might be good for Will and Sabrina. She says, do you have any tips on finding your personal style or brand for presenting? Sometimes I feel as though the camera switches on and I have no idea who I am. Wow, that is <laughs> such a good question. I think your personal style is just who you are. Like you're just, you're, try and bring yourself, literally who you are. Like, What do people say about you? Do they think you're you're funny do they love your laugh whatever it is about you just try and bring that and I think being your authentic self in front of camera takes a lot of practice um, and like everyone like JD Aisha Sabrina has been saying you have to watch yourself back because you know you have to practice 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 because when you're let's just say working for a smaller channel and you're on camera and you're watching and you watch yourself back and you're like no that's not me you will make sure that the next time you go back in there you'll see more of yourself so I guess it's just it's more practice really um we've got a really interesting question from Katie she says I'd love to hear about how much presenting actually comes from agents and showreels as opposed to journalism and media roles behind the scenes <laughs> who wants to take that question sorry can you explain that to me again I'm trying to understand <laughs> I was just like yeah Will, how much has your agent got you the bag that's what she yeah, wants that's, that's <laughs> <good> <laughs> okay do you know what let me say no no no, 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 no let me say let me say let me say let me let's be real with y'all okay let's be real um okay. I think okay like I don't know I so you can completely disagree with me yeah one thing I learned working in ITN is that if you are a news journalist and you want to be like a news journalist presenter you grow within the business, you know, you work, you know, whether you're an output producer, you grow, whether you go to the regions and you, like, I don't feel like you really need an agent in that world. I think you could become a really good um, news broadcaster without an agent. That's my opinion. Um, but I think in the entertainment world, um, I obviously, I did work trying to get my own entertainment stuff, whether it was on the red carpet, um, obviously Capital Extra got by myself, um, Jeremy Viner got by myself because I was working in the building. I deleted my book. But it got to a stage where I was just like, I can't go any further by myself. I literally, 
can't go any further because I want to do entertainment broadcasting. Like, I want to work with ITV um, specifically or, or whoever. Like, I want to get into like shiny floor entertainment type stuff. I physically can't get myself there because I don't know the people. Mm. Um, and that, that was the issue. So when I started talking to agents, I started to realise and actually learn that these agents know the people who I need to know. So, you know, to, mm. to, to, to introduce myself. So they put me in front of the right people. And I would have never been able to do that by myself. So I guess it depends on what type of presenting you want to do. However, like I say, you know, whether it's news or um, JD, you can disagree with me with sports. I think there might be other routes. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I guess it depends on what type of presenting you want to do. It yeah. absolutely I'll... does because, oh, no, go to Instagram. I'm sorry. It's like the Zoom, my, the Zoom is like <laughs> messing with my eyes. Um, I was just going to say, I've never had um, I've never had an agent and um, I've got all of my jobs by myself, but that is because I work in news. I know every, I know everyone in news. I don't know everyone, but I know a lot of people in news and I made those connections by myself. And I think in news, it's, it's a slightly different thing. If you, want to broad, if you want to do other types of broadcasting, then yes, you are probably going to need an agent to make all those connections and all those different contacts. Mm. Um, in news, it, it does feel um, slightly, slightly different. A little bit different. Yeah. I was just gonna to say to answer the question really like in blatant terms, when you if you do if you are seeking an agent, it's not a case of sitting back and they'll get you the jobs. No. Like mm. Will said, they just know more mm. people so they can, you know, they have a bigger contact, bigger contact list, so they can get you in the room. But as we were all saying before, that preparation, what are you gonna do when you actually get to meet the commissioners and the producers mm. of ITV and Channel 4 and BBC, you know, my agent was able to help me set up the meetings. But when I got into the door, I was like, right, guys, I've got some amazing show ideas. This is what I want to pitch. This is what I'm about. So an agent can help with contacts, but they're not going to secure you the work. Yeah. I feel like you have to be your own agent in the beginning. I feel like. Yeah. And whilst you've got your mm. agent. Come on it. Like, yeah. I don't, people, people really don't understand the art of networking. Like that is so. That is probably the biggest tool you can have in this field. The art of actually going up to somebody, the bravery to say it doesn't matter what position they're in or what seniority they are or whatever else, and be able to showcase yourself about over talking and also not underselling yourself. Really being confident in what you can do, what you want to bring, mm. and who you are as a person. Like. That should really be your fundamentals before you think about, ah, oh, cool, can I get an agent who's going to get me in this door? And even to this day, even though I have an agent, shout out to my team, I do want to shout them out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, know, I know that I still work for myself. Like, I still work in terms of looking for opportunities, networking. I had a conversation yesterday. Much about, like, I had a conversation yesterday and that was through me sliding into a DM and having a conversation that I feel like would benefit me and, and help me in terms of things that I want to do. So you have to really push yourself. You have to be your biggest agent. And your agent is just somebody that's going to be able to understand your value, understand the market, and understand, um, so you have to put less work in, but understand the legwork and the initial work especially has to come from you. I never had an agent until the end of last year. And no, wait, we'll be in 21 now. No, end of, end of 19. And... Yes, they have helped elevate me and take me to another level. 100% would never take that away from me. But the rest of my career up to that point, to about the end of 2019, I was my own agent. So really... Also, the agent has to see potential in you, right? They have to see that you've got that work and that drive because, quite frankly, they're going to take 
some money from you. And if they don't see that in you, there are plenty of people that want to be in that position. So you've got to be hungry, competitive and know exactly where you want to go. Um, an agent is not going to do that for you, is not going to come up with all of that stuff for you. That's got to come from you. We shouldn't say this, but I will say this quickly. Get to the stage of where I was at, where I was almost thinking to myself, look, you're an addition of, of myself, not in a disrespectful manner. Obviously, I see what you can do and all the rest of it, but you're an addition of myself. So I was holding basically auditions. I was very open with all of the agents that I was talking to. I'm talking to this person, this person, this person, and this person. Whoever basically I feel like will accommodate myself mm -hmm. and my dreams and what I want the best is who I'm going to go with. It's mm. not, but that had, I had to get myself to a stage of knowing what I want, first of all, and who I am to turn around and say that I'm going to bring somebody in as part of my team. That's a big, big conversation. Yeah, JD is correct there. You need wow. to choose the so right you... agent. Mm -hmm. Like my agent now, honestly, like he gets it. I get him and we just have such a great working relationship. So yeah, mm. it's very important that you work on choosing that right person who's going to work with you in your career, basically. 100%. So I guess you work just as hard as your agent, right? If not harder, maybe. In some... Yeah, they, they would say they work harder than me because I'm finding them a bit of a pain, but... I like a 50-50 relationship, that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we have... one thing... Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I think one thing... No, 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 no I should on Oh, sorry. One thing that I think we haven't touched on at all is the relationship that you have with other people. So mm -hmm. a lot of us worked in um, production before and as researchers, mm -hmm. and it's going back to how you stay in this job. You are nice and professional to everyone because you can get your foot in the door. But if you are rude, if you are late, if you are disrespectful, mm -hmm. if you don't do your job <laughs> properly and you are mean, um, that is going to come back on you like a ton of bricks and you, you know, I'm not saying that you can't have a bad day and like maybe say a swear word, not like I've ever said a swear word because I work for Newsround, but um, <laughs> you absolutely have to have that in your mind when you are climbing the ladder and when you are speaking to people. Um, that is one of the key things and the most important things, I think, mm. uh, when it comes to being yeah. on screen. Mm. I, just, I, I agree. I just give it what my nan always says. My nan always says, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. And sometimes mm -hmm. just biting your tongue and walking away, even if you feel like you're completely in the right, just understanding the longevity of someone could say something to somebody that could kill you a relationship for you later on down the line that you need. And it's not worth it. It's never worth it. It's never worth yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to echo that. And look, just, just because you're the presenter, like, to whoever, like, don't think you're the hot stuff. Remember, like, be nice to people. Trust. Don't be rude to the runner. Don't think you're the hot stuff, you know? Like, mm. Just be nice to everyone. Like, <laughs> talk to everyone like they're equal. Talk to the runner, ask them how they're doing. Just be nice to people. Mm. Be a people's person, you know? Be a co-presenter one day, so you just never know. Yeah, True. that's one of the main things. Oh, I'd love to co-present with all of you. I'd be so Oh, uh, Yeah. <laughs> That is one of the main things I learned from working behind the scenes. You know, I started as a runner. I was that runner that was empty in the bins, photocopying scripts, making teas and coffee for producers that now employ me as, as a presenter. Mm. So it's wow. mad. You're so right, Aisha. You have to be Can I professional. Say yeah. Sorry, carry on, carry on, Sabrina. Carry on. No, go on. You've just triggered something. Say it, Will. Say it. No, because you know, no, because you've just, you've just, no, you've just spoken about how you are a runner. Literally, nearly every single person in this chat has spoken about how they've, we've worked behind the scenes. Do you feel like we, we respect and we value things much more because we've come from there? Oh. Do you know what I mean? 100%. Whereas some people have been thrown into this, whereas we have literally grafted. So you speaking about you being a runner has just literally just like 
pings that thought in my head. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. I just wanted to put that out. There. No, 100%. I value every single stage of it. And I understand what it takes. Like you said, even you being the presenter, you're still just one person at that, that table that, that it takes to, you know, put on a whole show and a whole production. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. The industry is small. It's not as big as, you know, we would like people, everybody knows everybody, really. So, you, yeah, you have to be careful with, you know, who you speak to. You can't just be running your mouth to anybody. Yeah, never upset a oh, Whatever, Jackie. No, Jackie. <laughs> whatever upset yeah. someone that is, is the, yeah, never upset someone so much messing value. with your sound and with your lights and everything like that. Are you mad? No, no. These people work, not only do these people work hard, they have their own lives at home and they're coming in and they're doing their dream job. Um, and I've and I've seen it. That's why I'm saying it, because I have seen it and it's not pretty. And I think that we've also seen examples where you'll hear in the news, like, oh, like the mic went up and they weren't ready. I was like, yeah, I see what happened there. I know what happened there. Um, because you have to respect people and respect the, the amazing, fantastic job they're doing um supporting you in doing what you're doing as well it's, it's a body like if there's every part of your body makes you look you just you're just a face but there's so many different components that people don't see that like combine to make a show and you don't want to you don't want to piss like sorry excuse me you don't want to upset your left hand <laughs> <laughs> so you almost got me swearing now. you don't want to upset your left hand because Sarah on down the line the left hand's going to come back to spite you at some point yeah it's going to come back to, you got to treat everything with an element of respect and that's the important part um but well, what you were saying actually triggered it in my brain I remember doing the work experiences and like actually going home with no money. Like when I say no money, obviously you won't pay for the work experience. You have to pay to get in. But the highlight of that whole experience was that I could pick up a newspaper at the end of the day and see my name in it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I still got those trimmings upstairs from the Guardian, the Times, the voice. Like I remember all of those experiences. I remember the feeling it gave me. And I just, all my goal was at that moment was how can I turn this into me getting paid? How can I turn this into, I'm not leaving the office and there's no money in my pocket. And mm. now, obviously, my thoughts and my elevations have gone to another level. But it's that has to be the basis. You have to love this. You have to love what you're doing and love the fact that I just was given an opportunity today. And then you can work on everything else afterwards. Yeah, that is such a good point, JD. I wanted to say something, actually. I don't think we've touched on this just yet. Um, but this is to everyone in the chat, probably even Jackie, just to everyone. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you are being spoken down to or undermine your intelligence, your skill set, your ability is being undermined because of your skin colour. And have you felt like you you had someone you could speak to? Was there anyone you could like? How how have you ever experienced that basically? Because I know I have. <laughs> Throwing the grenade. You in asked there. it I'm like yeah. I'm just gonna leave <laughs> wow, now. Like, you that just threw it like gosh. You asked it like you had. Um, yeah. Do you know what I'll say? Um, that last year during lockdown and all the awful stuff that was happening during the Black Lives Matter movement and all the positive things that were happening because of the movement last year made me just kind of reassess myself and how how many things I've kind of tolerated and in a way sometimes I I, I felt like I'm I'm always lucky to be in certain spaces even though I've grafted to be there so it's definitely been like more of a personal shift to um, to you know, come with confidence and to maybe combat some of those very small microaggressions that come up. So I've definitely, I feel like I've got a new sort of armor on that I go to work mm. with now as well, and 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 it's um, it's 
an army of, of loads of us. <laughs> yeah, and I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I feel like as presenters, we should... I feel like the, the, there's no one for us to really talk to because for the production team, maybe, but no one really for us. And I've, you know, done various things and like been in situations where, you know, there have been microaggressions, but I've not wanted to complain because I don't want to come across as a diva. Like I don't want to come across like, oh, he's just, but I've really experienced things, but I'm like, I genuinely don't know who to talk to about this. I'm like, do I mm. reach out to a head of diversity at that person? You know, will they listen to me? Will they tell people, you know, will I get a job again? Will I get booked again? And like, there are all these questions and I just feel like, for us, for on-screen talent, like that, there's not much protection, and because a lot of us are freelancers as well, it's kind of just like, well, you know, you're you're done with that, you're done with that, move on. And it's like, well, who do I actually speak to about mm. th- these kind of things? Because you almost don't want to speak, and then you're like, oh well, they're not going to book me again because that's the way the industry is built in that way, and I'm kind of you know stepping in. So it's 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 quite a weird thing, and I've just never really known. Actually, I'm asking for advice if anyone does know because yeah, I, I would genuinely say, don't know. Um, I would say. Um, you will you can always speak to me of course Mm -hmm. I remember an incident where I was about to go on screen and present um something um I won't say where it was but I was about to go on and the producer questioned whether English was my first language um because I had rewritten a script in a way that she didn't like um and she asked me that maybe like you know three minutes to air I remember doing the bulletin, like smashing the bulletin and doing really well. And, you know, in spite of that, um, and then coming back and having kind of no one to talk to. I think I then made sure that I reached out to others in the industry who are people of colour. So um, there aren't many, but there are there are a network of us. And even um, Charlene White is someone that I um, speak to on a regular basis to get a sense of perspective. Um, And you'd be so... Um, shocked to know that even though as busy as she is that that woman is so busy you you know she never sits down she still will find the time to have a a chunk of time just to speak about that because Mm -hmm. she recognizes and knows and we all recognize and know the unique challenges that we face so um, even reaching out on social media to any one of us like please do if you're ever in a situation like that please reach out amazing well thank guys honestly I'm having so much fun I have just looked at the time and I'm like oh my gosh I just want to say a massive thank you to you Will a massive thank you to you Aisha massive thank you to you Sabrina massive thank you to you JD for coming on today's Say It Loud New Voices panel edition we've loved having you on this is an Edinburgh TV Festival and TV Foundation podcast Presented by me, Jackie Adadeji, produced by Mindy Just, and edited by James Dingle. And the fabulous music you're listening to is Nubian Twist. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah, if I could catch a glimpse, maybe this time find the door to the peace of my mind. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.